When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hey, everyone. I have a quick favor to ask. We are up for a Signal Award. This is like a podcast awards thing. And uh, we're in the category of best commute podcast. It would be really lovely if people wanted to go and vote for us in that category. It is the Signal Awards, and the category is Best Commute Podcast. If you went over there and voted for Atlas Obscura, I would be very grateful. Okay, on to the show. What can I tell you about a place that you were never supposed to know existed? I can tell you there was a lake high in the southern Ural Mountains of Russia. I can tell you what it looks like on Google Maps, a small blue spot in the shape of a cursive V. I can tell you that if you weren't looking for it, you'd skip right over it. I can tell you, you do not want to have a picnic on the shores of this lake. I can tell you, it's called Lake Karachay. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, I'm going to try and tell you about Lake Karachay, a place where fact and fiction blur. More after this. The list of things I can't tell you about Lake Karachay is much longer. I don't know how to get there. I don't know if any animals live nearby. I don't know if there's a smell to the lake. I don't know if the sun shines directly on it or it dapples through tree cover. I don't know why this lake was chosen as a nuclear dumping site. Most of the world may have gone on forever not knowing about Lake Karachay if government researchers hadn't spotted something abnormal in the Arctic Ocean, thousands of miles away. Heightened radiation levels. They traced the radiation back, back to the river, and followed the trail further upstream to Lake Karachay and a nuclear facility right next door. 
an extremely secret nuclear facility. In the late 1940s, as the nuclear arms race heated up, the Soviet Union quietly constructed a number of secret plants like this. They weren't on maps, and we didn't know their names. At this particular plant, workers dumped radioactive waste into Lake Karachay. The lake grew more and more contaminated, and by some estimates, Lake Karachay became the most polluted place on the entire planet. By the 90s, the plant next to Lake Karachay wasn't secret anymore. News trickled out that there'd been a series of terrible accidents. In the 1950s, a tank exploded with the force of 70 tons of TNT, spewing nearly as much radioactivity as the Chernobyl disaster. Not only that, but in the 60s and 70s, a drought came, and the lake began to dry up. Radioactive dust from the lake swirled up into the air and down over half a million people. Lake Karachay couldn't go on like this. The people running the plant searched for a way to trap the waste. Their solution was to fill the lake with 10,000 concrete blocks. Eventually, they covered the concrete with rock and dirt and effectively turned the lake into the ground. At this point, Lake Karachay was no longer a lake. Before the nuclear arms race, and before the nuclear plant existed, Lake Karachay was just a normal lake, one of many thousands sprinkled throughout the Ural Mountains. Now, it's a place so tainted that if you stood on its shores for a single hour, the radiation exposure would kill you. And yet, something about the place captures our imagination. It's magnetic. There's a song called Black Hills off the album One Hour by The Concrete Lake by a Swedish progressive metal band called Pain of Salvation. The song is part of a concept album that tells the story of a man who works in the weapons industry and has doubts about living in, quote, the machine. Pretty metal. At the end of the album, the man arrives at the shores of a contaminated lake that sounds stranger than fiction, a lake where if he stood on its shores for one hour, he would die. The lake, of course, is Lake Karachay. Lake Karachay is such a strange and secretive, almost mythical place that it's easy to blur fact and fiction when talking about it. When the fish in Lake Karachay, south of the Ural Mountains in Russia, went blind, not everyone stopped eating them. It was only a game. Angela Pelster is a writer. She's reading here from a story she wrote called The Boys of Karachay Lake. The boys, bored on a hot summer day, would wander down to the lake through the forest and pull off shirts and pants and splash into the murkiness, jump on one another's backs and spit lake water into the air from their sunburnt lips. It was always warmer in Karachay than any other lake. Angela's story is a slow unfolding of the nuclear disaster at the nearby plant how it seeps into the lake and the lives of the people who live nearby. She was inspired to write about it after reading an article about a man who lived in the Ural Mountains. And while reading about the man, she discovered the lake. The story became about these imaginary boys and their imaginary lives near this very real lake. 
When they had cooled off, they stood with their toes shoved into the silty bottom, knees bent, eyes flickering over the surface, hands hovering. The fish came to nibble at their calves and ankles, and even blind they could turn and flick away from the boy's diving hands as fast as light winking off glass. Angela's story was published in 2011, but she says that every now and then, readers still contact her asking about the boys of Karache Lake. They want to know which parts of the story are fact and which parts are fiction. Where Angela drew the line. It's interesting to me to see people thinking through what do we do with this mashup of um, mythology and truth. Um, And when we can't tell where those borders are, where do we end up? That mashup of myth and truth is exactly what makes a place like Lake Karache so compelling. Because we still know so little about it becomes a vessel for our imagination. For musicians, that vessel may morph into a metal concept album. For Angela, it became her story, a space to test out ideas, emotions, curiosity, and to try and understand a barely understandable world just a tiny bit more. I mean, I guess that's what we're always looking for, right? Something to sort of shake us awake and see things differently or understand the world differently. But then part of it is just a mystery, right? Like if you understood it, you wouldn't want to write about it or you wouldn't want to make art about it. You sort of just follow the thing that tugs you along. And if you try too hard to unwrap it completely, you kind of undo the magic of the thing that got you there to begin with. That is what I can tell you about Lake Karachay. Lake Karachay and the nuclear plant are, unsurprisingly, completely and totally sealed off. The only way to get in is through a Russian checkpoint, and very few people are let inside. So, for the rest of us, we may just have to imagine the lake. This episode was produced by Johanna Mayer. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, McKenna Smith, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. 
This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.